This morning we have the opportunity to install a, a new elder into our congregation. This is not the, the normal type of worship service. This is the special type of worship service. I believe it is a privilege that the Lord should bless us with leadership. It is the Lord's doing, and we want to thank Him for that. It's an unusual type of thing. I hope that everyone here is appreciative of the opportunity to witness this. This is not something that uh, the Lord does lightly, and nor is it something that our church does lightly. This is a... Uh, a doctrinal way of having the church of having the church receive help from God. He is helping us. I would like to state the doctrine that I want to accomplish because when I start preaching, it's going to become what's called a charge. I will, first of all, give you the need for why we have uh, elders and why we need a good elder. And then I'll go through the scriptures and just explain what the passage means. Then after that, I will give a charge to Art Mink. And the charge will be somewhat to the church, but primarily from the church and primarily from the leadership to Art. So with that, the doctrine we have here is that the elders' foremost responsibility to God and to the church is to preach the Word of God. Amen. That's his primary responsibility. He must preach the whole counsel of God. Not things of his own choosing, but everything that the Word of God has within it. It is the whole counsel of God. But all things has their have their priorities, and he must especially concentrate upon the gospel of Christ for the glory of God. For the glory of God. So, this is what I plan to do. I'm going to tell you why this church needs a good elder. Then I'll briefly tell you what the text means in its words. And then I will deliver an, a charge to art. And in some degree, from the church itself. So, as introducing the idea of why a church needs a good elder. I mean, churches are in need of good elders. They truly are. And so, to begin with, we have to see that the, the work of an elder is truly a noble work. If you recall, I preached on this passage a couple weeks ago in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And this is the verse from that chapter. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, which is an elder, he desires a noble task. And it is indeed a noble task. And it is something that many people aspire to. Not everyone should aspire to be an elder. There are some that aspire to be an elder for bad reasons. We need to make sure that only those who aspire for the proper, good, biblical reasons obtain that office. The elders must understand that we will be judged by the Lord more strictly than others. In James chapter 3, verse 1, we read this. Not many of you should become teachers. My brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And so, for those who want to become an elder and should not be, caution should be given to you. You should be careful. And uh, no man should take this upon himself. And he should not take it lightly. And so that is part of the idea here. That we need a good elder. 
no one should just take this lightly because a man should be called to preach. Now, we have taught about the doctrine that God calls people to be saved, but he also calls people to ministry. He calls people to, to work for him, to preach Christ. And so I want to give you the importance, first of all, I won't be long with this. This will just be a somewhat brief idea about why it's important. But the entire third chapter of Second Timothy is dedicated to the idea of why it's important that we have a good elder. And so I'm going to briefly give you a paraphrase of chapter 3 in Second Timothy. It says basically this, in the last days, there will be difficult times. That's why we need a good elder, because there's going to be difficult times. And I'm going to tell you why there's going to be difficult times. There'll be difficult times because there will be difficult people. There will be people who will be lovers of themselves. Now just think about our society, about families, about your community. There will be lovers of money. People will become proud, arrogant, abusive. They're raised in families where they become disobedient to their parents and they raise their children poorly. They are ungrateful, unholy. There are people that have not had anything within their own hearts except selfishness. They're heartless people. There are people that are completely unappeasable. They have an insatiable greed. They just can't be filled enough with the things that they want. They're slanderous. People have become undisciplined. They don't have any self-control. They can be very brutal. They have no love for what is truly good. In our society, we've seen people become treacherous, completely unfaithful and disloyal and deceitful to others. There's even the idea that a reckless person who is irresponsible and thoughtless and uncontrolled is admired in our society as the rebel. People have become swollen with conceit and self-importance, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. They have an appearance of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. There will be difficult times. That is why we need good elders. Why do we have difficult times? Because we have difficult people. Now, the Apostle Paul said in his third chapter basically this, these are the people that you need to avoid, and these are the ones that should not be elders. Because people call themselves to the office. Why? Because elders receive respect. Elders receive authority. Elders have power. They can stand up and receive what many of these people actually want. But we should turn them away. That is why we're calling art into the office of elder. Because we need good elders. For those who are among these people, these are the kind of people that would take opportunity to creep into the households of, of women and allow them to live their lives in various passions. That's what the scriptures are saying. We need to be careful because the Apostle Saul, Paul says, of these types, we have leaders rise up in assemblies where they're just like Janus and Jambres. Now, you may not know who that is, but these are two that have been identified who were in the court of Pharaoh when Moses went down to free the people of Egypt. And now we have people that need to be freed from sin, and we have a Moses, but we also have a Janus and a Jambres. When Moses threw his staff down, it became a large serpent. But Janus and Jambres threw their staff down, and they also became serpents. But it was the staff of Moses that consumed the staff of these false leaders. 
It is the preaching of the word of God by the true elder that will overcome all those who are usurpers of that authority. Amen. These men who should not be in the office are disqualified because they do so for their own glory. But Paul said, look at my teaching, look at my conduct, look at my life, look at his faith, the patience, the steadfastness, how he suffered persecution in different places. And he said, I endured all these things, but the Lord actually delivered him out of all them. And then he says this amazing statement. Indeed, all those who live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so, Art needs to understand that according to these scriptures, he is set out upon a life that will put him on the road to persecution. Paul ends that chapter in chapter 3 with this. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Now, the Apostle Paul said those words in order to say this when he charged Timothy. He says, now that I've told you what the Word of God is good for, teaching, reproof, correction of men in righteousness, now you must preach the Word. That is the charge part. So let's go in, make sure we understand what these words mean in chapter 4, and then we'll deliver the charge to Warren. Chapter 4, verse 1, 2 Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the judge of the living and of the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word and be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And so we can see here that the Apostle Paul is calling God and our Lord Jesus Christ to be a witness to the laying of the responsibility upon Timothy. He calls God to be a witness, that he's going to charge. Now the word charge simply means to lay a responsibility on someone. And so he says, you need to do this in season and out of season, which means this. It will be convenient to preach the word sometimes, but it will also be inconvenient sometimes. You have no choice about when to preach the word. You must preach it when it's convenient and when it's inconvenient. It's easy to preach the word when it's popular and everybody wants to hear it, but you must also preach the word when it is not popular. You're called to do that. People will many times praise you for preaching the word of God, but you must also preach the word of God when people abuse you for it, no matter what happens. In doing so, Timothy will provide a twofold ministry. One where he reproves and rebukes from the Word of God, but another where he exhorts and comforts others. So using these gifts, he must use his abilities given to him by God to preach the Word of God. The parts that people love to hear and also the parts that people hate to hear. You must teach and preach the Bible. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Let's continue on. Uh, verse 3 and 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but will have itching ears, and uh, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And so we see that the Apostle Paul is very serious in giving Timothy the reasons why it is such a serious charge. Because in the coming time, in dangerous times, like the time in which we leave, well, in which we live, God and his doctrine and his gospel 
is going to be rejected by the world. And they and, and many churches will not endure the preaching of sound doctrine. Churches are going to find that they have left their first love. And when they do that, they will fall away from the love of the truth. They'll fall away from Christ. And when a church fails to love Christ above all, they will fall away from the truth. And those and the elders who fail in this, in this point right there, when an, el when an elder fails in these two primary things, that they will give in to the pleasing of those who want to be at ease in their own fleshly passions, and they will dismiss the truth of the gospel uh, as, claims in the, as, as claimed in the Bible, and that they are nothing more than folklore and superstitions and traditions. That's how an elder will fail. Therefore, in order for an elder to succeed, he must uphold the word of God. Say that it is God, God's word, and it comes from God himself. And that he is there to exhort, but also comfort the people of God. So, verse 5, the last verse. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. So the idea of being sober-minded, you must be serious about the work. But the word sober-minded also implies that he is not to allow any other thing in life, not just alcohol, but any other thing in life to intoxicate him above the glorification of God, the preaching of the Word of God. He must be serious about this work. He must be able to endure suffering, willing to endure the persecution that will always follow the preaching of the Word of God. You must then do the work of an evangelist. He begins with, preach the Word, and he ends in verse 5 with, do the work of an evangelist. You know what that is? Preaching the Word. He begins and ends with the ministry of preaching the Word of God. And so with that, let's get to the charge. We have four things to say to you, Art, from the leadership, from Gary Weaver, from Jim Hillis, from myself. We are the leaders of this congregation as elders and deacons, but also, to a certain degree, from the congregation. We as a congregation also provide this charge to you. I want to give you four things to think about. First, we charge you before God to preach the Word of God, the whole counsel of God. Secondly, we charge you to lead us with courage and with patience. Third, we charge you to be sober-minded about your life and your ministry. And fourthly, finally, we charge you to resolve to know nothing among us but Christ and Him crucified. So let's have a little more detail about those things. We charge you before God to preach the Word of God. Now, we expect you, out of your life, to have some experience, to have some wisdom. But we do not need to know worldly wisdom or have this worldly wisdom or worldly experience. We expect to have your wisdom and experience that God has given you, that, we, that you might rightly divide the Word of God preached to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We expect you to do that for us. You may provide an abundance of of service to us in many things because we have witnessed the fruits of the Spirit in your life. You have the gift of hospitality. You have provided helps. You're long-suffering. We've seen patience in you. But in all this, you must now shoulder the responsibility of preaching the whole counsel of God. We need that the most. We need to understand in detail the person and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what I'll say to you, Art. At the end of your life, when this is all over with, you will not say, I wish I'd preached the Word of God less. You'll not say that. This is what you'll need to do for us. 
you need to, every time when you stand here, to preach to us. Let the Word of God have its reign in our heart. This is the tool and this is the rule. The Word of God is not in season in this world. It is not in season in many of the churches. So we charge you to hold fast to the Word. We charge you to hold fast to the Lord Himself. We charge you to hold fast in your work in glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, we charge you before God to lead us in strength and in patience. You are to correct God's people when they need corrected. But you're also charged to comfort them when they need it. It is a balance. Not just a stick, not just a carrot. You need to be able to know the difference when someone needs to be corrected and when someone needs to be comforted. You are to feed the sheep of God. Feed my sheep, that's what the Lord said. You must feed us. You must give us what we need, the bread of heaven. You must not, as the under, shall we say, those who are not qualified, many want to feast on mutton. You know what I'm talking about? They want to come into the house of God and say, look at the wool, look at the meat. Oh my goodness, I've made it. No, you're a servant to us. You're a servant to Christ. You are to lead by example and not just word only. You are to expose and condemn those who are wolves in God's flock, not coddle them. Sometimes everyone will have their ears itch a little. But when we are called to preach the word of God, you must keep us on that straight and narrow. You must be yourself, Art. You must be Art Mink, the man of God, and no one else. I've seen this in the past, where preachers want to be like their heroes. They want to preach like that preacher. They want to look like that preacher. They cut their hair like that preacher. They even sound like him. Art, God made you a little different, like he's made me a little different. And God wants you to be an elder. He doesn't want you to mimic what others look like. But he wants you to mimic their godliness and their love for Christ and their desire to glorify God. Amen. Not to be confused. Oh, he's just like that guy. He's just like that guy. No, he's just like Art Mink. you got to know Art. There's no one else you should be. You must be in all that you are because God made you this way. God made you this way for a reason. Thirdly, we charge you to be sober-minded about your life and ministry. You need to be sober-minded in that, like I implied before. You must not be intoxicated by anything else, but only by the love of Christ, by the Word itself. Let that dominate you. Now, we've all known Art. He has, a, he has a sense of humor. I don't want that to disappear. Now, I know that many times in the pulpit, a sense of humor can become like a comedian. He's not like that. I've never seen that, and I commend you for that. But don't lose your sense of humor, please. God made you with that because that's a way of looking at the truth. Don't let someone tell you that evil is that that humor is evil, but it can be a slippery slope. I have myself had my, you know, I can be a little sarcastic at times, and sometimes even in jest I'll say, you know, well, sarcasm that's, isn't that one of the fruits of the spirit? Of course it's not. But you see, the idea of having a mind that God has given you to discern right and wrong. Don't forget to speak your mind and, and, and your way. Because God has spoken in His Word in multiple ways, in metaphors. All different types of ways. So, preach appropriately to us. You must be sober-minded. You must be seriously-minded. 
and uh, you can say serious things in a way that isn't somber. It can be done. Keep your mind attuned to the obedience of Christ and keep every thought captive to him. We charge you to pursue God's grace. We charge you to pursue sexual purity in your marriage and in your mind. We command you to put your family first. Mm -hmm. Must be sober-minded in all things, all personal sufferings, the sufferings for the church, hardships and afflictions of all kinds will come your way. You will face trials. They will be personal trials, they will be emotional trials, and they'll be spiritual trials. And yet, all these things we are called to tell you and to warn you. You must preach the word. You must do the work of an evangelist. So, with these things, feed his sheep. Lastly, you must charge. That is, the charge is this. We want to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified. That's your mission. To know Christ and him crucified. And that's what we want to hear. It is a dangerous time for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in this country. And in this church, even. It is a dangerous time to be surrounded by churches that have fallen away. They have not put Christ first. This is not the season for the gospel. Many churches concentrate on the fears of men, the animosities of men, the anxieties of men, but they have failed to show that Christ is the source of all their answers. He is truly the source of all their answers. And to this, do not chase the pipe dreams of this world. Do not scratch the ears of the discontented. But in all this, we want you to fulfill your ministry. To fulfill your ministry. That's what the scriptures are saying. It's right here. You must preach Christ and him crucified. So let me sum this up again before we ask you to come forward and we put our hands upon you. First, we charge you before God to preach the word, the entire counsel of God. Secondly, we charge you to lead us with courage and with patience. Thirdly, we charge you to be sober-minded about your life and your ministry. And finally, we charge you to resolve to know nothing among us but Christ and Him crucified.